Wonk. Honk. I love sausage. Thank you, Tim. Shocking. Dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber... On Sports Radio 1270, the fan. I did old uh, some poll uh, over the weekend. Right. Not misohonia. The Tim Graham Show. Welcome to the Tim Graham Show, November 14th, 2018, Year of Our Lord edition. Here at the Sports Radio 1270, the fan studios. It's my... Big crooked co-host Mike Rodak of ESPN.com. Jonah Bronstein's here. He's handling things for uh, Periscope. Periscope. Twitter. I had Pinterest on my mind for a second. That's <laughs> next week. Whoa. We're Pinterest. bigger than Pinterest. Yeah, and get catch the show on MySpace and uh, dial up with your uh, CompuServe. Check it out. So you can see a live stream of the Tim Graham Show. Uh, follow the uh, my Twitter account, Jonah's Twitter account, anybody. It's tweeted all over the place. And uh, you will not see Bobby Rosati's cherub face. Probably for the better. Luckily. <laughs> oh, there he is. <laughs> no, we don't need but that. But you will see Joe Buscaglia. Oh, hey. Joey Flesh. WKBW Channel 7 Sports Director Joe Buscalia is here in studio for the full two hours. We're going to talk all kinds of Beals. What's up, boys? It's good to have you, man. Ah, it's been great. a long time coming. I know. It's uh, I'm, I always I always have fun with you on the air, whether it be in podcast form where you make way too close to censored jokes or, you know, <laughs> or just on real radio. The know. podcast. Plug the podcast because it is an all-time podcast, especially if you're oh. a Bills fan. But even if you're not a Bills fan, just the football knowledge that you and Matthew Fairburn uh, lay down. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fun, man. And thank you for saying that. Uh, it's the Bills beat podcast you can find it on itunes uh google play stitcher soundcloud all that good stuff we just we record twice a week you know have some fun have some inside jokes it's it's a, it's a laugh but it's also some some good intel in in case you want to get a, a an inside look in the bills and you know and it's fresh it's, too because you do it right after the game right and, and then you do it again during the week exactly we do we record on thursday we record right after the game so that way people can get in their cars on mondays they, they have it right after the game and then going into the weekend and you know why it makes it a great podcast because rodak's not on it that's true i'm, I'm not allowed in the room no we, 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 either, we say it every episode rodak <laughs> is strictly foreboding from the room oh, well if I, I do hear my name i might enter and just Pop in my peer like a creep, my cherub face. <laughs> you, you use the word cherub because Tim will use the word that's, cherub. That's what a wordsmith Mike Rodak is. <laughs> he really spreads an indictment on that one. His <laughs> indictment of his own abilities that he just can't uh, take, uh, He's that, quote, he, that he can't uh, come up with his own words. Uh, before we get too far along, though, I have to say that the Tim Graham Show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285 9555. Or visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. You can follow them on Twitter at uh, VCL Niagara. Sometimes they retweet all the stuff uh, with the uh, with the show. You can check it out there at VCL Niagara. Viola Cummings and Lindsay brought the Tim Graham show back from the dead. So thanks to them. Um, I didn't tell everybody. Did I tell? I'm sure word's gotten around that we may have had a special guest calling into the show today. And uh, it's been a false start a couple of times. I think I thought that he may be calling in, and so I didn't want to promote anything. But I understand we have on the line, and this is not a prank call. And this is, I guess, because Joe Biscali is here in studio, a special treat. Uh, O.J. Simpson is calling into the show. O.J., are you there? 
Hey, Tim, how are you? I'm doing all right. It's uh, Hello, Buffalo, talking proud, as they used to say when I was there. Yeah, well, they're starting to talk a little prouder today than uh, than they were, uh, I guess, half a week ago with uh, what's going yeah. on with the Buffalo Bills. But I guess before we get started, OJ, we need to do that weird dance where we need to say, oh, my gosh, uh, OJ Simpson's on the phone here. Because you don't do many of these interviews. And we sat down back in March in Las Vegas for a story that I wrote uh, for the Buffalo News. And it was your first interview, your first extensive interview in, I think, over 10 years. Uh, yeah. So this is and something I, that doesn't I, happen too often. No, I don't. I get, obviously, uh, tons of uh, requests and a lot of TV hosts and things. But, you know, I'm just living a kind of a try to be quiet life here in, uh, in Vegas. And, you know, I play ball in Buffalo. I still have many good friends. Uh, Michael Tiller was out here with me a couple of weeks ago. So I try to stay in touch with the people there and, and I appreciated our last interview. You kept it accurate and on point. And uh, the things I don't talk about, obviously, that I put in my past. And I, you know, when it comes to sports, and uh, I got a special fondness for Buffalo. So, so let's get it going. All right. Well, it's um, thanks for calling in the show. Uh, we actually maybe have. Do we have a bad connection, Bobby? Do you think that is, or it's you're kind of muffled, OJ? I don't know. Are you, yeah, are okay. you on a handset, maybe, or a? Well, no, I have it. Uh, I may be talking through our, our mutual friend. Oh, I see. So you're kind I don't of know connected if that's that problem. way. Okay. I'm actually sitting on a putting green at a golf course, and I'm playing the minute we finish the interview. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I'll stay for as long as you uh, as you don't get itchy to get out there and hit and hit the ball, but. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I, I think that, uh, as I've mentioned before, O.J. Simpson's a complicated person. He's lived a complicated life, a notorious life that's been dissected for 25 years. And um, if we can add to the discussion of who O.J. Simpson is, then I want to be able to provide that. And listeners can choose uh, to stay tuned in and listen if they want or be uh, aghast at the fact that I would have O.J. Simpson on my show or maybe you're interested in, in hearing what he has to say. Uh, but I want to be able to provide that if O.J. Simpson is willing to call in, and that's a decision I've made. And uh, if you want to recap his life, whether it's his 1995 acquittal or the 97 civil judgment against him for $33.5 million or the nine-year prison sentence, and trust me, in, in talking with O.J., I know he's going to talk about prison because if we're going to get into fantasy football, I know that that's the big thing that got him <laughs> through prison was, was playing fantasy yeah. football. Yeah. Yeah, you can Google all that stuff. It's out there. I don't need to rehash it here. Uh, so that's a decision I, I've made. Um, so, OJ, well, uh, Tim, I go ahead. I would like to make one thing clear. Um, you name them, and they've asked for an interview. So this is, I give it to you, but it's not like all of the personalities, the TV shows, the talk shows, have been requested on numerous occasions uh, uh, to do an interview. So... I just happen to say okay to you. Okay, well, thanks so much. I got you know that's uh, as a journalist, uh, that's that's all I hope for is somebody to be uh, when they're done uh, having an a, an experience with me that they leave feeling like they were treated fairly and uh, and above board. So that's uh, that's that's high praise. Thank you for saying that. Um, I do want to ask though before we get started on football, but when we spoke eight months ago. You had told me that you did not watch the O.J. Made in America uh, 30 for 30 film that won the Academy Award or the uh, 2016, the, the Fox mini, uh, the FX miniseries, uh, The People versus O.J. Simpson. Is that, now that you've been out of prison for uh, almost over a year now, I guess, 
have you have you found time to watch those? Will you? And and what's your I, I, what's your philosophy on yeah. on seeing things about yourself? I I have no interest in watching it. Uh, I haven't even thought about watching it. Uh, I think one day I was switching the channels, and as I was switching the channels, I saw it was on, and I couldn't change the channel quick enough <laughs> to get away from it. All it does is, uh, you know, you get one thing, uh, somebody's interpretation. You know, Linda Deutsch, who I think recently retired from AP, she's a senior um, reporter there. Every major uh, trial, going back to Manton, she's been sitting in the number one uh, um, um, media seat. You know, she's the one that comes out when they only have one or two people with the media uh, uh, inside the courtroom, she's the one that's there, and she comes out and tells you know, kind of report what happened. She she was in all of my trials, and uh, I was having dinner with her here once. Uh, like you, I respect her because I always thought her reporting was was accurate and not biased one way or the other. So she told me that she thought the problem with well, I guess one of the shows where the guy played me was that my trial. She said was a who done it. The show uh, worked from the premise that I was guilty and hurting me off. You know, <laughs> she said, you're, you're better off not watching it. I, I wasn't going to watch it anyway. We're in conversation, believe it or not, with O.J. Simpson uh, calling in from Las I don't want to say, are you in Las Vegas right now? Yes, I am. Okay, yes, I, am. I figured as much. Where are you, where are you playing yeah. today? Uh, Red Rock. I play Red Rock. I'm Royal. Right. Uh, I play here most of the time. Actually, was that when you interviewed me, we were on the second green, uh, you know, the house was on the second green. I, I don't stay there anymore, but uh, I play here all the time. Well, I play everywhere, but here most of the time. So, O.J., I know that fantasy football is your biggest connection with the game because yeah. Yeah, it's about as close as you can get these days. Uh, you're, you know, jobs in broadcasting, we talked about it there in Las Vegas uh, eight months ago, too, is that acting jobs aren't going to be coming your way, and, and those, those chapters of your life are closed now. Um, so what is it about this outlet? It's as, it's as close as you can get. And while you were in, uh, I guess maybe take us back well, here, where, how it was that you fell in love with fantasy football when well, you were at Lovelock Correctional Center. Like a lot of former players, at least for my generation, we really weren't interested in fantasy football. I play with, in my current league, I have a, an ex-teammate uh, of mine, Senator uh, White, who's in my league now, and he's this is the first time we ever played. Now, before... Now, you say, I'm sorry, it got ago, a little muffled there again, OG. You're saying it was Sherman White, your old teammate? Yeah, Sherman White. Okay. He's in my league. So, it was the first time he ever played. Well, I, uh, going back 10 years ago, uh, I didn't want to play. And guys would ask my golf buddies in Miami, would he ask me to play? And, oh, come on. I just wasn't interested. And, and and I wasn't really a gambler on sports. Not that I'm a gambler now, but you know, fantasy football, you have a little something, something going. In any event, I went on Sunday and go in the sports bar with some friends and my daughter and some of my girlfriends, and they played, and people would be asking me my advice when I got there, you know. Uh, and it was like, oh, come on, or whatever. When I got to Lovelock, which is the uh, institution they put me in, I had a bunch of guys coming to me to play fantasy. And to be honest, there was a bunch of guys in one league. There was only one league. And a guy got the rules. So they talked to me to taking this place. And almost immediately, I was addicted. Once I understood the, the, uh, the, the, the scoring system, 
and I understood. That was the first time I really took the time to understand what it was all about. And uh, I just fell in love with it. You know, I even had my own league, you know. And the funny thing is, I think there were maybe 10 guys playing when I got there. The year I left, uh, I would say if there were 900 guys on the main yard, 800 of them were in fantasy leagues. <laughs> it really well, became very, very popular, and I became addicted to it. We're in conversation with O.J. Simpson uh, calling in from Las Vegas. Actually, O.J., would it be possible for maybe us to try this connection one more time? And we'll get your intermediary. I'm, I'm texting him now, and we'll see if okay. uh, we'll – because I think that uh, as, as rare as, as these interviews hey, are, I think that the people uh, probably ought to hear you. Um, so we're able yeah. to kind of decipher it, but we have to work at it. So uh, let's, okay. let's, let's hang up. I'll take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll, uh, we'll do another segment if that's all right. All right. Okay. Thanks, all OJ. Right. We'll we'll do that. All right. Uh, all right. Okay. We'll take a quick break here Let's on the Tim it. Graham Show, Sports Radio twelve seventy, the Fan, uh, and we'll be back, hopefully, with some more OJ Simpson after this break. The Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio twelve seventy, the Fan. You're a young athlete, you're brimming with confidence. You're I don't know if you're single or not. Are you single? The Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan and on the Fans app. Free to download in the App Store. All right, welcome back to the Tim Graham Show here on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. The Tim Graham Show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Uh, back from the break here, and we have uh, some more O.J. Simpson uh, calling back in. Uh, see if the phone line's a little bit better. O.J., you there? Uh, yes, I'm Oh, here. much better, much better. Okay, good. People weren't able to hear all those nice things you said about me. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure we could uh, have you, in case you do say something nice about me again, that, I'll, that people will be able to hear it. So you were talking before the break there about uh, how fantasy football really kind of carried you or at least helped you cope uh, with uh, serving those nine years in prison and how many people were involved in fantasy football after you left because of your involvement uh, that weren't beforehand. One of the interesting dynamics we kind of touched on uh, during that interview uh, months ago in Las Vegas uh, was when you mentioned how the fantasy football really carried across all the different well, for lack of a better word, demographics uh, that are in the uh, prison community. And we're talking about all the different gangs, uh, all the different, you know, it's pretty volatile, uh, volatile climate in there. And how did uh, how did fantasy football help you there or help the prison, I guess, help the prison community, I guess? I I would say in general, sports did because uh, we put together a real nice thing there. we had a soccer league. We had a, a number of basketball leagues over 40, uh, 40. I would, I would work the, uh, the, the scorecard and the clock and do commentary. One of the commentary guys loved that because, you know, uh, it was an air ball. I was yelling, air ball. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and of course, you know, um, football being the main, the basketball and football, I think were the main, uh, were the most popular things there. Uh, in my league, I had a, an Aryan, Sereno, uh, um, uh, which is uh, the, the largest Mexican gangs that are in California on the West Coast. And it, it, uh, generally, San Jose is the dividing area. You know, south of San Jose, there's Sereno. San Jose, there, um, 
They would be uh, Nortaniels, you know. Uh, and in my league, I had everybody, just like on my softball team. I had a guy who was a, an A-dub, dub b w Aaron Warrior. I had a couple of Muslim guys, uh, uh, guys from the Northtown Boys, which is a black group in, in here in Vegas, and Serena's and Nortaniels. I, I purposely sort of mixed my team. Um, accidentally, in some cases, guys were just good, and I asked them what they played for me. When I got there, you had all white teams and all Hispanic teams who actually had won like three championships in a row. My team were a lot of older guys, and it was, as I said, totally mixed from Arians to Millennials, and we ended up winning the championship the seventh game of the, uh, seventh inning of the second game. <laughs> we ended up with, uh, Unseating the Braves who was mostly Hispanic guys, but uh, sports brought everybody together there. And fantasy football, which was, uh, as I said, almost non-existent when I got there, except for the few guys that I worked with in the gym who had their league. By the time I left, everybody was playing fantasy football. Oh, it's you... an addictive thing once you sure. once you get involved in the draft and you understand the scoring, which is really simple. It's pretty addictive. OJ, did you ever fear for your safety there, or because you have so many people there who might resent your celebrity, uh, or uh, just uh, the the fact that you are OJ Simpson? Did uh, how did you, I guess, navigate all those different groups? Well, two things. First of all, and I, you know, I I've had to make it people. I didn't grow up in Brentwood. I grew up in San Francisco in a couple of pretty rough neighborhoods. Well, I had to convince the warden. Um, uh, it took me two months that I need to be on the main yard with all the guys. And he would say to me that, uh, you know, well, there's some guys there, and you got to be careful because I said, look, just put me on the on the main yard. I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. You know, I know, you know I've been around guys all my life, and it's, I, I hope nobody takes this wrong. In a locker room, you got all kinds of dynamics. <laughs> and most of those guys in the locker room probably not with guys who are now in prison or who was killed. A lot of guys, I tell you, I get somebody on that new NFL thing they had the other day, and he was talking about his brothers and how he was able to stay out of trouble. But, you know, his brothers and close friends didn't, uh, uh, weren't so fortunate, but it was sports that kept him out of trouble. So, that and the fact that uh, I started working in the gym before I hit the main yard, so I made friends with a couple of guys, and uh, um, um, they were—they just weren't going to let anything happen to me. You know, they made it clear anybody mess with me would mess with them. <laughs> so um, I, I never once had an incident there. I, I had one thing: I was arguing with a guy named Niccolo. He was half Spanish, half Italian. Him and I got in an argument. But the argument was over a play at third base, over a call at third base, and much like Earl Weaver and all baseball managers, he and I was face-to-face arguing over the, over the call at third base. And when I was arguing with him, I sat behind him, all of these Northtown boys, these black guys, running over to us, right? And I realized, oh, my God. I said, hey, guys, hold up, hold up, hold up. I said, no, we're just arguing about a play. And, of course, they, their attitude was, you're disrespectful. He can't talk to you like that. I said, come on, man. Don't worry about it. Michelou and I are friends. We're just all over a point at third base. So I realized from that moment on, I really 
really had to be kind of careful, you know. Uh, guys are pretty sensitive there. It's like we can't listen to uh, what's that show in the morning that Stephen A. Smith is on. We can't listen to First it. Day. All the guys need to watch, watch because they need to know the scores. They need to know who's pitching. So in the gym, uh, I was kind of in charge of the TV. I would have it on so they could see the bottom line. But the the head of the, the coach in the gym, the officer there, said you can't turn it up because arguing is a is is a, is bad news. It's in prison. <laughs> Two guys argue, you get loud, there'll be a fight and. Groups are going to get involved in it, and that show is all about uh, yelling at one another. You cannot well, yell at guys in prison. I think there, <laughs> if you are arguing, you got to. My news judgment is telling me that there's your headline uh, that you've made today, OJ. That uh, prisoners can't listen to Stephen A. Smith because it gets them riled oh, up. No, I ain't talking. About, you know, I, I'm not dark as Stephen. I'm just saying <laughs> that hey. their style, their style is yelling. And I understand. I agree with the prisoners. <laughs> I would rather also mute uh, yeah. Stephen A. Smith, but yeah, yeah. you know, teach his own. So, yeah. OJ, it's uh, not because of him. It's just because of their style of yelling at one. Right. Time. I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Skip Bayless yeah. would be the same, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, we only had ESPN, so we had no choice. Yeah. Skip's not on a channel anybody can see. Yeah. Or Skip. <laughs> All right. So, blocked. yeah. I, don't, I digress. <laughs> Yeah. In conversation with O.J. Simpson here on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. And uh, I know that you're a huge LaShawn McCoy fan. You created a stir where yeah. people thought uh, you were actually at that playoff game. You were actually at a Las Vegas yeah, Bills backer bar posing with Bills fans. But people thought you were at that uh, the Jaguars playoff game. And you were wearing a LaShawn McCoy jersey, uh, one of the few yeah. that you own. And uh, but I want to ask you from a uh, from your vantage point as a former running back, as one of the greatest running backs of all time, uh, Lashawn McCoy goes from 24 yards on 24 carries in three games to 26 carries for 113 and two touchdowns uh, Sunday against the Jets. His first touchdown in 13 games and his first 100 yard game in 14. Uh, what was it that you saw out of the Bills? Uh, that uh, allowed him to be productive against the Jets, whereas he couldn't or any other time in the year? Well, uh, first of all, the Jets suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, yeah, there's First that. of all, let's say that. And secondly, you got some quarterback play. you got to get a little quarterback play if you're going to be able to run the ball successfully. I don't know what the Bills' uh, offense is or what they're – you know, calls are, but I would imagine a good USC boy, now that I think of it, um, uh, must have been audible into the right plays. And, you know, most running backs are give me the ball anyway. If you can get the lineman just to get in somebody's way, in my earlier years in Buffalo, I used to tell the guys, hey, man, just if you miss the block, you get on your right, just keep him on your right, you know? Uh, uh, I've seen nothing wrong with, with, um, with LaShawn's game, he still got all of them and everything. Uh, you just, it just seemed to me he got a lot more help from the from that quarterback position this last game than he's been getting. Of course, the young kid, Allen, is a kid, and I'm sure he's just audible. If I told you how many times during my 2000-yard season, I was back there in that eye saying, two, two, you know, because we would have a play call. And uh, I'm looking at the defense, and the defense was was uh, not the defense we should be running against. We're running to the strength of the defense, and I'm yelling for Ferguson, audible. Right? I'm going, Joe, 
show, you know, to try to get him the audibles. The quarterbacks really, really make a, a, a big difference in the success of, uh, of you know, running backs. All right, OJ, you have another question here from my co-host, Mike Rodak of ESPN.com. I, I'm, I'm mentioning that because you're going to hear another voice here. I didn't want to, yeah. didn't want to throw you off. Yeah, OJ, I was doing a lot of research about the, well, the current Bills offense really up until Sunday, as we know, has been awful, and then it all changed on Sunday, scoring 41 points. But one of the teams that comes up when you search back through some of the worst offenses in the last 50 years, let's say, is that. 78 49ers team uh, that you yeah, were on. And, and obviously yeah. you were banged up for a good portion of that season. But what was it like being on a 2-14 and 14 team where you had a quarterback in, in Scott Bowl who threw one touchdown, 11 interceptions? Uh, you, you know, yourself obviously was up and down statistically. What is it like playing on a team like that and, and experiencing that? Well, you know, it, it took me back to my earlier years in Buffalo. <laughs> That's pretty, some pretty bad teams uh, uh, that year. And when you change coaches like in the middle of the season, it it, it just it, it it tears everything up. You know, um, we uh, it, it was a weird thing because I thought in the preseason when I got there that we weren't that bad of a team. I, I, I knew we wanted a playoff. I thought we had um, uh, enough players to kind of make some noise. Uh, I thought. Jim Plunkett was perfect at quarterback, and then they got rid of him. They just cut him, and uh, of course he ended up going to I think two Super Bowls with Oakland. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. after that, so there was some very, very, very bad decisions I thought made uh, with management. Now my second year there, um, I I I, uh, I had the good fortune of playing with a genius, uh, Bill Walsh, and he was he taught me. You know, I always thought if you threw the ball, three things happen and two are more bad, right? Well, Bill Walsh taught me that you could throw the ball and, and make half the throws like handoff, you know, given the, those little swing passes and stuff. And his whole style of coaching, you know, uh, he would write down the first 30 plays and we'd go over those 30 plays and, he, and it was like, if this play doesn't work, it doesn't matter because it's good because we're going to show him that and we'll take advantage of that. So even when you had an unsuccessful play early in the game, you felt you still accomplished, accomplished something. I don't even remember the coaches that were there my first year. I think he was one, mm-hmm. and then when he got fired, I don't know who the other one was. Fred O'Connor. But, yeah, Fred O'Connor was a nice guy, but neither one of them had any head coaching experience, and uh, it was a mess. <laughs> it was a mess. And I didn't want to play anymore, but it did give me the opportunity to play at home in front of my family for what had been growing up my favorite team, the 49ers. OJ, flashback to, well, I guess flash forward to 2018, and what's in the news right now is Le'Veon Bell uh, deciding that he's not going to play the rest of the season uh, and have made it through the entire campaign without a game, without a paycheck. Mm Um, now, you played in a different era. There was no free agency. The only way you could get out of a contract was to retire, which you yeah. kind of tried to do with the Bills before yeah. Ralph Wilson talked you out of it. Um, what's yeah. your take on what Le'Veon Bell has done? Well, you know, I, I have really two thoughts. Well, first, before I say my thoughts, is it's something when I saw him turn down a contract that 
I was by far the highest paid player my last few years in the league. He makes as much in one game <laughs> than I made for the whole season. Yeah. So my first thought is, uh, whoever's advising him, he will never make up this fourteen thousand. I mean, fourteen million. It, that can never be made up. Whatever he signs next year, whoever signs him next year, they aren't going to say, "Look, let's make up for the fourteen million you lost." So he'll probably sign a four-year contract next year for you know decent money. Obviously, at least I would imagine fourteen million. I hope for for his sake. So one, he'll never make up that money. But two, if you're thinking about getting hurt, you're going to get hurt. I was wondering how this team was going to take him if he came in yesterday. I mean, it would have been all bad. I mean, what are you going to do? You know, you got a guy who's already made it clear he's not going to put himself in any danger. You got another kid who is just all effort, you know, making pennies compared to what they were willing to pay him. So I thought he might have made the right decision at this point by not coming in just saying hell. I'm just going to go by the whole season, even though it's hard to believe that you can pass up what what would it be like the three million dollars or something for six games. Um, 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 I uh, I uh, I'm sorry, somebody's trying to talk to me. So I don't. I I I, I, uh, I think you have a contract. You know, it's up to you. I mean, I I, I don't fault the guy for trying to get a long term contract. Actually, I fought Pittsburgh. Because if anybody I thought deserved one, I can understand a little of their reluctance because he's gotten it, he's had some difficulties where he's been forced to either miss games by suspension or injury. So I don't know, but it just seemed to me that the guy had earned the right to have a longer term contract, even though I totally disagree with his uh, with, with with him not coming, you know, not coming to camp, you know, to hold out because. As I understood it, he couldn't renegotiate this contract. This was only about getting a longer-term contract down the line. And uh, uh, I just say, more power to him. He could pass up $14 million. Yeah, I think it's uh, the Steelers are probably glad at this point because James Conner has yeah. uh, pretty much, uh, at least in terms of yards and touches, he's done about what you'd expect out of Le'Veon Bell anyway yeah. uh, for a lot yeah, less well, I money. Heard, I heard – I heard the lineman, uh, which you know, I, I I didn't like the fact that they commented then, but I could I heard between the lines that they were saying we made you as much as you made us, <laughs> right? And I think they've kind of proven that with Connor, right? Did you happen to see there was a video today out of the Steelers locker room that now that he's he's not coming back this season, there was players taking the shoes out of his locker, taking his nameplate down, just sort of yeah. looting it. What's your what are your thoughts on that? Hey, look, the band gave them some good football. Uh, I don't know what they mean by doing that. You know, you wish nothing like this happened at all, but it did. And uh, um, um, yeah, what are you going to do? You know, I, I do. Once again, I mean, the bottom line for me in that whole situation is uh, dealing with the most recent thing yesterday. I thought it was a good decision on his part that he didn't come in at this point, and I think the team was relieved and the other players were relieved that he didn't at this point. All right, OJ, I know uh, we're up against it here, but uh, bef- one question before I let you go, you can be as uh, you can talk about it as much as you want. The, the Bills quarterback situation, do you want to see them 
uh, go back to Josh Allen, get him the reps, even if Matt Barkley might give them a better chance to win? Or, as you say, does it not matter because the Jets suck? Uh, it matters, yeah, obviously. Uh, Josh Allen looks to me like he can have some, uh, um, uh, he has a, he, you know, he, he has a future. Um, I never thought Barkley ever got the two chance. Now, this is Allen's team, make no mistakes about, about it, but he might be uh, better off uh, sitting on the sideline for a while, anyway, for a few games this year. Watching Barkley, a guy who's uh, at least he's been around around for a, a while. It is Allen's team, though. Let's face it. What has he been watching up to this past week? He's been watching. He couldn't learn nothing from what he was. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, he could learn nothing from that. Uh, Barkley has been on some okay teams, and uh, he's been around. So, I, you know, you kind of like to see him uh, a watch for a while. I, I think it's good for everybody, too, but. Um, uh, I, you know, I think of golf and uh, how Fisher kept him on the bench for virtually a whole season. I thought that was a mistake. I don't think it's good for a rookie in any position, especially a quarterback, to go a whole season without playing at all. I think they should play some. And uh, right now he's coming back from injury. Uh, from what I can see of Barkley this week, he probably can learn a little something from him. O.J. Simpson, uh, I guess before you go, anything left unsaid? Uh, anything else you want to mention before uh, before we let you get to the no, green? Just, just God bless. I, this year, normally I get in Bill's games. I was going to this year. We didn't think it. Uh, things came up. I was trying to come in for the week. That Thurman, and I come in with my friends. hang out with my friends. You know, so I don't want to put any pressure on anybody. I don't want anybody to, that uh, the feel offended. There's nothing I can do about it if do change exactly what I do, but I try not to put any pressure on the Bills whatsoever, and in the past, I've been in games, you know, going back before all this LA, Vegas stuff happened, and I've always had a great time seeing my old friends and and, and uh, teammates. And, um, you, you know, think you'd be welcome back, back if you ever did make it? If you ever did make it to a Bills game, what do you think the reception would be like? Well, I've been to Bills games, and, and, and you know, uh, not since this Vegas incident, but before, and uh, going around town and everything, people have been terrific, and the people that see me at the stadium have been terrific. Now, I don't, as I said, I don't try to make a big deal. I always stay in a suite with my friends, and people have always been great, and I'm going to tell you something. There are, it seems to me, thousands of Buffalonians living in Vegas. Uh, I literally meet them every day and they're terrific yeah absolutely terrific if yeah. i ever leave las vegas that's where i'm going back to vegas yeah. i lived yeah. there five years you, and i loved it and we got about three or four uh, i was at moondoggies uh for that playoff game they got three or four bars well two or three bars here that when you're in them bars you, you think you're on hurdle and you think you're downtown <laughs> you, you you feel as if you're back in buffalo because it's so many Buffalo, what is the whole atmosphere is Buffalo. <laughs> well, well, OJ, uh, thank you for calling in the show and, and your patience okay. with the uh, with the phone line. I'm glad we were able to reconnect and get a better line for that yeah. second segment. And uh, uh, maybe we can get into some more stuff uh, down the road. But it was uh, it was good to have you on the show, and I think it's uh, it's compelling radio whenever uh, yeah. whenever OJ Simpson can call in. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you guys. Talking proud, Buffalo.
All right. O.J. Simpson. All right. <laughs> O.J. Simpson, former uh, Buffalo Bills Wall of Famer, Pro Football Hall of Famer. Um, All-time greatest Bill. You think so? I think so. It's obviously an arguable hey, Between him or Bruce Smith, I think. Yeah. Joe Biscaglia, thoughts? Well, I mean, you have to consider the, the position of the quarterback and how it kind of changed everything. So you would have to put Jim Kelly up up mm-hmm. into the into the ranks. But you, you can't argue with, with Bruce either because, I mean, it, what he was able to do was transcendent from a defensive perspective. So, I don't know, I, I would make an argument for, for Kelly just because he kind of flipped the script with how everything kind of went around here. Yeah, I think that if you looked at the dominance of the position, much like I don't know if anybody here uh, heard the uh, or, or read the uh, Q&A that I did with Marty Baran on who was better, Hashik or Brodeur, and Baran brought up the great point of uh, nobody was more dominant. You can measure dominance in terms of you know Vezinas and Hart trophies mm-hmm. and the times you were voted first team All Star. Uh, way more than you can uh, do stats. And if you were to take a look at O.J. Simpson's dominance compared to other running backs of his era versus, I guess, Jim Kelly's dominance to other quarters, Jim Kelly's kind of in a uh, in a group. You know, he's he's Fair. in a group with Marino and Elway, and you could even say that he wasn't the best out of that his own era, whereas O.J. Simpson was way better than any of the other guys in his era. You could make that argument, but then, like you say, Joe, the running back position, period, yes, there's the still game a, has changed. There's a timeliness factor, too, because when, when he played, there was really no one like him, but if he was him 10 years down the line, it it might have been different to where he might have blended in a bit more. So, you know, I, I think he was transcendent back then, but I don't know, there's just something about the getting the entire team to go and, and to actually turn potential into winning and I think that's kind of what came with with Kelly yeah that's what the quarterback does I was also I was also like four when when all this happened yes I'm just going back Jonah I want to ask you you're like my you're you're uh, like my conscience a little bit so you're you're the second oldest guy in this room and uh, you think about these things and you think about them philosophically what are your thoughts just on the fact that OJ Simpson was on the show I think as you said compelling radio I think it's great for the show because, as he mentioned, he's been asked to do interviews like this by just about anybody you can name. And I don't have a problem, as, as with your interview that you did for the Buffalo News, about talking to OJ, especially about football topics, because he is one of the greatest NFL players of all time. Right. He's a celebrity, I mean, I think above and beyond almost any other athlete. He's one of the few people and you, that you could say is larger than life. Now, you can say Jim, Ke- Jim Kelly is not larger than life. Uh, maybe in Buffalo he is. Um, Le'Veon Bell is not larger than life. Right. Uh, who's the greatest player in the game right now? Maybe Tom Brady's a yeah. little larger than life. Yeah. But O.J. Simpson's even bigger than that. I mean, he was huge. He was way beyond football, way beyond Buffalo. Right. And, and then, of course, that was before uh, the the trial of he, the century, before you know he was on TV every day for being accused of uh, murdering his wife and her friend. Um yeah, this was, yeah, he was, he's, he's a Michael Jackson caliber type guy. Yeah, he's one of the most famous people Elvis. alive, maybe. And some of that is notoriety. You could parse it that way. But even, as you mentioned before, uh, he you know, was accused and stood trial on murder, that 
he was one of the most famous, at least in terms of athletes, but he was also in movies, a broadcaster, a commercial pitch man. And in terms of Buffalo sports figures, uh, I don't think anybody has approached his level of star power that he had during his career and after his career. Yeah, there was um, – uh, it wasn't automatic that I had – I mean, I had to think about it, but I, I, th- I thought it through and I came to a decision that I'm, I'm happy with, and um, I found him to be – uh, you know, look, I know I'm saying this and people are going to roll their eyes or jump on it. I mean, he's uh, <laughs> I found him to be a nice guy. And it's what I said on the Channel 2 interview. I did. They did an interview with me after the uh, after I sat down and did the story with OJ. And I, I shrug when I say it. I mean, I he's very charismatic. Yes, he's uh, he's a charming guy. And I know what he's accused of. And nobody really knows. And I made it a point. OJ's never asked me if I think he did it. Uh, I've never told him. Uh, unsolicited, whether or not I think he did it. And I think that's part of the thing that, uh, as an interviewer, um, I think he doesn't want to know if I think he did it. And I don't feel the need to tell him necessarily because, you know, uh, I think because if I did, I'm picking a side and then he either has to defend himself in the interview or feel like he has an ally and he shouldn't feel either way. Right. As we've talked about. I'm just trying to be a conduit. I'm just trying to say, here's O.J. Simpson. And here's what you can, here's what he's interested in. This is what he's talking about, and here's his his insight, which is still considerable. He's one of the greatest running backs of all time, and it uh, it's obviously jaundiced by uh, the fact that he was in prison and the civil suit, and that he was yeah. found guilty of of killing two people, or at least liable. I guess I should say, I, I whatever the wording is on that, but. Yeah, I love the takes that his his or the yeah, I guess the hot takes that his takes aren't relevant or his analysis isn't relevant. It's it's like asking any other Hall of Fame running back. It it I don't know. It just doesn't make well, sense. Well, he to me. comes it's, with a lot of baggage. No, right, right, and but and rightfully so. I mean, some he deserves to be looked at. But right. that doesn't mean his voice gets silenced. Like let's say he yeah, got right. convicted of the murders, and you were able to interview him right. in prison about his yeah. football career or really his being a fantasy fo- football guru in prison. I don't think just because somebody does or allegedly does something awful that their voice gets silenced and we can't talk to them again or we don't. Yeah, we're not interested well, in is, what they have to say. It is something that I grappled with, but uh, again, another analogy. And he, I, he said Michael Jackson earlier, and of course it's moot because he's dead. But if somebody were to come to me and say, "Look, Michael Jackson's going to call into your radio show today," um, we just he's ask dead. that you not uh, talk to him about uh, touching little boys uh, or the accusations and. Uh, you can only talk to him about music. I think there are a lot of inter- people that would say, okay, I'll talk to him about music. Yeah. That's part of interviewing celebrities. And we get it a little bit maybe in sports, but you know, movie stars and musicians do media appearances all the time where certain topics are on or off limits. Sure. And you can debate whether and there was nothing pure off limits journalism here. that's OJ okay. OJ did not call but... in today with any – there was no conditions. I talked to him about – I mentioned it up front. Mm-hmm. I just – you know, I, did, I was going to ask him if he was one question away from confessing. I actually was going to ask him that. I'm serious. I mean, we can say it tongue in cheek now, but next time he's on, I'll ask him. Why, why do you say again. that? Because I think it's people would say, Funny. like, what am I going to ask him about? Like, why? How can you leave that elephant in the room unaddressed? Well, okay. Let me well, ask you. Next this. time, I'll ask him, and I'll, I'll see what he says. When you interview him in person in Las Vegas, and you know you can't bring that up, but how much is that rolling around in the back of your head? Well, I did bring it up. It was just a. But you can't was, ask the question. How much was, do you want to? It in your wasn't subconscious? even that I wasn't allowed to ask the question. It was that he's not going to go there, and if that's what the story is going to be about, then he's not going to. Uh, he's not going to sit down for the interview, and so it's like 
you know, I've made this uh, al- allegory before. It's like if you're even dating somebody, you know, you just want to sit. Let's just sit down and have a cup of coffee and see where it goes. So I wanted to be able to get the interview first. And then we'll see where it went. And he ended up talking about prison, and that's where I learned about his fantasy football uh, affinity and all this stuff. So, um, but anyway, it's it's a as I said uh, as he was uh, first called in. It's a complicated life. It's been dissected a hundred billion ways over the last twenty five years. Uh, I don't need to rehash all the things he was accused of, found guilty of, uh, acquitted of. Um, Whatever the complicated, whatever you feel about O.J. Simpson, you weren't going to change your mind based on this interview today, anyway. So Google it, find out whatever you, you know, whatever areas of his life you want to get into, and this was just one more thing, one more layer to the to the onion, I guess, of who O.J. Simpson is, what he think, what he's doing today, what he's up to. So there you have it. All right, um, we're going to come back. We're going to get into obviously Bill's talk. Uh, we'll move on from uh, O.J. Simpson, unless Joe Biscaglia wants to talk more about O.J. Simpson. I was my first introduction to him was the trial. Like yeah. when when when, yeah. when did that start going on? Like ninety five, ninety three, ninety three. Yeah. So I was seven years old at the time. That was probably first time. Yeah, I was I'm sorry, ninety five. I think it happened in nine. It was uh, he the, was con- the, the killings were in nineteen ninety four. I recall and the acquittal happened yeah. a year later. Right, it was in ninety six. I remember being in my elementary school yeah. cafeteria when the uh, decision wow. came. The Did not, they cheer the not guilty verdict? There was like legitimately like one side of the room was saying guilty the other side of the yeah. room was saying that it was, there was, was, there was, was elementary school, school by the way it's one of those moments where you remember you'll always remember where you were yeah uh and mm. i was in the las vegas sun newsroom mm. at the time and stopped doing what we were doing and uh, it was all right let's here it goes and the tv was on and we're watching live and wow. i remember in the <laughs> i don't not that it's apropos i mean it doesn't necessarily mean anything but the managing editor sandy thompson she says uh, they say uh not guilty and she just threw up her hands and said i knew it I mean, not that she was, she, right. I don't know she had what her opinion was, but, she, and they were like, okay, time to get to work. My middle because school we were principal, an afternoon newspaper, so we still had a, you know, we had an edition to put out. My middle school principal got on the, uh, you know, the public address announcement and said, we're happy to announce that O.J. Simpson has been found not guilty. That's odd. And that is it odd. is odd, but I mean, if you were living here at that time, there's a little bit of a sense of, I don't know. If it's belief in OJ or just support of somebody who was a great Buffalo Bill, but I think I don't know the percentages, but there was a large percentage of people around here that were rooting for him to win that trial, much in the same way that parts of the African American community were. I don't think it was for the same reasons, but there was that little bit of support that he had here, and, and I think that's why Bills fans—they still wear his jersey to games. Absolutely, you see it all over. All right, we gotta, we're going to hit a break. We're going to come back. We're going to have more Bills Talk with Joe Biscaglia and Mike Rodak of ESPN.com. Jonah Bronstein's here in studio. Bobby Rosati on the knobs. Diddling him like, uh, furiously, quite frankly. Uh, the Tim Graham Show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. This is the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Tim Show, now on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. The Tim Graham Show, taking you calls at 270-1270 on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show here on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. The Tim Graham Show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. 
Uh, feel free to call in. Phone lines are open. Ring us up at 270-1270. That's 716 area code, by the by, if you're listening from outside the area code. I love that you roll with by the by. By the by. I'm a big fan of that. Sure. Got to mix it up. Joe Biscay is in uh, the studio. That's mixing it up. That is. That's fun. It's the first time Joe's been on the show. I don't even think you've called in, have you? No, because... Well, thank you. Uh, Because when you are on, that's usually right when I'm in the uh, the nitty gritty of going through and doing the old TV thing. When I am on, I am on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm usually rushing back from the stadium to get back and get all my ducks in a row before I have to go on the air. And today's six, different just because it's a bye week. Yeah, it's a bye week. Have, have the day off. Have some. Have the next couple of days off. It's it's nice. Bye week's nice. And especially because I get to share a, a radio show, a few conversations, and, and uh, some friendship. I'm going to be on the Bills Beat podcast uh, this evening. Oh, you are. Yeah, that's right. There's, uh, there's a little trade-off, not trade-off that I forgot about, but I'm more than happy to do. I, I, I enjoy doing it. Yeah. It's, on location. On location, it's uh, it's all thanks to your event, your your Make-A-Wish event that you did um, in the summer where someone, was, or Michael Partham in this case, was generously, uh, or gener- had a generous bid to come on the podcast, and he's going to be a bona fide third chair co-host. He, I mean... And I'll be the fourth chair. Yeah, fourth chair, going to, I mean... I don't know if Rodak's going to be there, but uh, he nope. can like watch from the sidelines. Why won't you be there? He'll he'll be in attendance. I know he will. Oh, you won't be on the show, is what you're saying? We'll see. We'll see if I can make it tonight. This is like OJ's dream team. I wasn't going to go tonight, but now I, I obviously I'm going tonight. So you know what that means. So that means I'll see Jonah. We'll watch the. That UB means game. you'll see Rodak too. No, you won't. I got I got to cover UB women's basketball. I see. Okay. Well, let's talk. What do we have? Do we got a break now already? No, we got like we got like two or three minutes. All right. Is that enough time to talk to you? Sure. No. Let's well let's we can get start. into it. We can, but start. we can start. So it. UB football, nine and one, going up against Ohio tonight. And they can clinch the Mackey's division. Right. And um this is a huge game because all could go for naught. Right? I mean well, no. great, they can make the bowl game. Ohio lost last week, stuff. so they could still win the division with a win in either of their last two games. Next so UB just has to win one of these one next two. two. Yep. So a loss to Ohio, which is entirely possible because the Ohio's pretty good. The talent differential losing. in the MAC is tight, with the exception of the the bad teams. But the best teams in the MAC, there is no dominant force in Mid American Conference football, and there really hasn't been. UB's getting there. They they won their six and zero MAC games by an average of more than ten points. All right. So okay, I'll grant you that. But then again, you have some donkey teams that are factored into that average. Yeah. Like Kent State. The last team they played, yep. Uh Akron's having a mediocre season. I'm going back through my mind. But anyways, I used to know the Mac pretty well. Um There's a lot of Michigans and a lot of Illinois. No, one Illinois. Wasn't there a stat that UB was tweeting was either last week or the week before where it was <laughs> there's only two teams that had won by a certain margin of victory this year. I think it was like an average of seven or eight points per game at least. And it was UB and Alabama, two FCS teams, or F- FBS teams in this case. It could be true. Can I don't know if they're Division leading the country one and one double A. The FBS, the FCS, I, I I still read that and I have to stop and think, which one is that? I do too. Right. It's, I still think one A and I mean, one double A. B is for bowl. That's It's, it's easy. It takes a second, though. You no, have to think about it. B is for bowl. Okay. All right. That's a good mnemonic device, and I will now remember it because Joe Biscalia said that. It's but I still think when I write a story about a college prospect, and he is Jared Goff, Carson Wentz. But it's kind of a Carson misnomer Wentz, because 
Yes, yes. North Dakota. FCS. So speaking of other things, North I get Dakota confused State. all the time. Which one went to which school? They call mm-hmm. it FCS, which stands for championship. Yes. And then they call the FBS championship the college football championship. So the FCS really doesn't play for the championship. But the championship the is more about for, a tournament. They play for a oh, championship. So confusing. It is dumb. They could go with FTS. And used to have BCS. How about just another it, way to they could They could just go with F this. <laughs> How about that? Uh-huh. All right. Top of the hour. We're going to come back. We're going to hit more Bills Talk. In-depth with Joe Buscalia, sports director from WKBW Channel 7, here in studio with my big crooked co-host, Mike Rodak of ESPN.com, Jonah Bronstein of Bronstein Enterprises. Too many affiliates to mention. Too many. You can just, just sum it up that way. Yep. I think it's better. And uh, Jonah producer Media. extraordinaire, Bobby Rosati here on the Tim Graham Show, which is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. The Tim Graham Show. So you want to see Brandon Bean. Throwing Chubb out there like I know who he is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Two Chubbs in the draft. Actually. You'll know. probably have a Chubb going into that. <laughs> I always do. <laughs> I wasn't going to say. The Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Welcome to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. I know I'm going to get pimped. They're going to pimp me. Long, huh? I love sausage. Thank you, Tim. Shocking. Dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber... On Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. I did old uh, some poll uh, over the weekend. Right. Not me so honia. The Tim Graham Show. Welcome back to The Tim Graham Show. Brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. You've heard that uh, that read so much, Joe, that by mm-hmm. the time you leave, you're going to be able to recite it. Is it is it a memory. test? Do, do, sure. Do I need? Do I need to had, know this? I've, and I've learned that you are really good at memory games. I I, I dabble. When we were in short term memory stuff, I'm in. We had oh, this. <laughs> we had a fun time. It was. Joe Biscalia, sports director from WKBW Channel 7, mm-hmm. who's here in studio right now. Not Michael Rodak. Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, my teammate. Was it just the three, the three of yeah, us? Yeah, because uh, Michael and Jay Skirsky decided Crooked to <laughs> decided to, dr- to fly into Dallas and then drive to Houston. Yes. And well, so, which, yeah, makes total sense. Like a couple of hacks. Yes. There's more to the story. I mean, are you ever going to care to share that? No, or? no we're good. Because you were going to play golf with Jonah Javad, who, who bailed on you <laughs> and wasn't ball. even there. Oh. He didn't bail on us. Sure it he was did. A, he left. He had, you he didn't even see work. him. It was a right? monsoon in but Dallas. you still didn't even see him. And the golf course got closed, and he had to move up his flight. And Former Channel 2 sports reporter Jonah Javad, who now works in Dallas. Overall Jay, good guy. Jay and Mike were going to go down there to visit, and uh, Jonah left before you guys even got there, or he was at the airport when you landed or whatever. And then we had to make the three-hour drive to Houston, where me and Jay were dodging tornadoes and drinking Sonic shakes. Anyways. All right. Good So we had a game, and as I'm wont to do, I was sitting there pounding my draft beers, which makes you have to use the restroom (laughs) without getting too graphic. There's a picture of dogs playing poker, but not the picture of dogs playing poker. It was like a bastardized version of it. Had had some panache of its own. Yeah, it had some its stuff. It had its own flair. 
And I would come back out and sit down at the bar and say how many dogs were wearing hats. And Matt and Joe, from their trips in there, would have to guess. And you'd have to get more and more creative. So mm-hmm. you try to study the picture while you were in there. And Joe nailed it, with the exception of one that he said with conviction, I thought he was right. Turned out he was wrong. Well, I you, think it was dog, how many dogs had their mouth open. Yeah, well, right? that that's just with life, right? You just have to answer it with conviction, yes. and then people will believe you. That's right. Yeah, but he had high batting. <laughs> Joe had a high batting average that. on memory games. So, um, so yeah, I would like to see if you can recite so something the, about the Viola, Viola and Cummings, the Viola Cummings and Lindsay, uh, your ooh. workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call two eight five nine five five five. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Okay. Always good when you can work the sponsor, the people who back your show financially into more content. I think they're happy with that. <laughs> so we had content. That's right. O.J. Simpson on in the first hour. Now we're going to get into it with Joe Buscalia, Mike Rodak, Jonah Bronstein's here. Uh, we can talk some football. Let's get yeah. into it with the Bills. Bobby oh. Rosati, feel free to chirp. It was get a in there. big win for the Bills oh. as... As OJ said, though, the Jets do suck. Yeah. <laughs> and, in fact, that was the excuse that a 57-year-old Christopher Grayshock of West Milford, Connecticut, used when he was stopped in New Jersey for DWI after the game on Sunday at 5.15 p.m. Told officers, quote, I drank too much because the Jets suck. All right. So he and OJ are on the same page. Seems like it's probably true. Um. So where are let's get right at the heart of the the really only discussion that interests me about the Bills right now quarterback mm. Josh Allen Matt Barkley Matt Barkley gives him a spark seems as though but here all right before we even get started in with this whole premise of what the Bills should do if Josh Allen's healthy which it looks like he's trending that way yeah I think he was on Sunday. I think that Nathan Peterman could have done what Matt Barkley did on Sunday. I would not go that far. And I think that Josh Allen certainly could have done it. All he had to do is hit a couple of throws. Right. It was LaShawn McCoy's day. LaShawn McCoy could run. And as long as LaShawn McCoy was able to run, with the exception, obviously, the first pass, Mm -hmm. there was some, um, it set the tone, the 47-yard pass play down the right sideline to Robert Foster. And that really opened up the possibility. Then LaShawn McCoy scores on the very next run, 27, 28 yards, whatever it was. But for the rest of the day, you know, Matt Barkley threw some wobblers. He did not look great. They just happened to win big with a nice defensive effort. The fact that the Jets couldn't get anything going on offense and LaShawn McCoy could run as much as he wanted to for the first time in almost a full season's worth of games. Yeah, well, you have to first start with the offensive line up front because for the first time in five weeks, they were actually getting a push up front against the defensive line. It looked like the Jets' defensive line just quit. Like Leonard Williams, who was a top-ten pick, just looked like complete crap in that game. He was just getting pushed all over the place. And by guys like Wyatt Teller, Russell Bodine, Russell Bodine doesn't push around anybody. He's like one of the worst centers in the league, but still somehow he was able to win his one-on-one matchups and actually had a solid game for him. So that's where it started. And I agree with you about Barkley. I think his big plays masked reality of what he actually was in that game, which was just an average quarterback. Now, he did hit three really, really good throws right at the beginning to um, to Robert Foster when he was about to get decked. Uh, and then he hit that big third down play again to Robert Foster. Um, and, and there was another one that should have been a touchdown to Kellen Benjamin in the end zone. And those right. were all to Mark, Matt, I almost said Mark Barkley, like LaShawn McCoy in Philly did in 2013. But uh, those are all to his credit. But when you watch the film and you watch exactly what he did in that game, 
there were three different plays where he should have been picked off. Yes. And he wasn't. And those are the plays that have been going against Nathan Peterman. Now, I won't go as far as you in saying that it, had Nathan Peterman been in the lineup, the results would have been the same. Well, I don't me, think they would have. All been. right, let me let me throw a qualifier on that. I don't think the result, including the score, would have been the same. I think the game, you know, but I think the Bills win that game, and we're looking at Nathan Peterman as the story, as victorious, perhaps like, thank a redemption type thing. He gets the monkey off the back a little bit. I think the offense that was a game that most any quarterback could have been on the field, and with the exception of doing something boneheaded. And I don't mm-hmm. think Nathan Peterman's a boneheaded quarterback. No, he but... just doesn't have the arm talent, which is part of the problem. Yeah. And that's that's always been his problem. There's a reason why all of these things, all of this bad luck, so to speak, finger quotes, always goes against him. It's because he doesn't throw the ball on time, and he doesn't have the arm to make up yeah. for it. The pick six at Houston was a bo- was boneheaded to throw across. That was, like that. but... Although Kelvin Benjamin could have helped him out. Th- that plus... Um, your teammate at the Athletic, Matthew Fairburn, went when he did his thing with Joe Licata, um, said, you know, Dable called the play twice in a row, and of course the cornerback's going to squat on it if Benjamin yeah. runs that same route a couple of times, and that's exactly what he did. So, but to your point, this is what we're getting into—the bigger issue because you know I I'm kind of surprised that well I'm I am and I'm not surprised that this is being thrown out there about. Ooh, who should they start? It's not even a question. People. I think the conversation is, what do you want to do? Question. Win in 2018, which seems like useless. What's the point? Or develop Josh Allen. And there's a chance that you can win with Josh Allen and develop him at the same time. And here's a third leg to the to the discussion. Do you want to win? You know, Do you want to well, actually work your way out of top 10 draft territory by accident, which is what the Bills have done. It's what they did back when they could have had Cam Newton and instead ended up with Marcel Darius. Mm, Four and four down the stretch. Love that. That was my first year on the beat. Yes, Mike. I I didn't make a mouth noise. I just made a hand noise. Yeah, we know. What? I was going to say, I'm not sure that's that's the proper... I mean, it's a possible comparison that it's between developing Josh Allen and trying to win this year. I also think it's between developing Josh Allen and developing those around him because that was an issue really at points earlier this season where you can make an argument it's hard to develop Zay Jones for instance when Peterman's doing what he's doing or Josh Allen is doing what he was doing in Green Bay it's harder to develop Jason Kroom or your O-line when the quarterback's holding the ball so long Uh, if you have a quarterback who's getting the ball out quickly and things are running more smoothly for the offense then you're, you're probably doing more of a favor to those around him, being the receivers, tight ends, offensive line, et cetera. Uh, and then you have the other goal, which is to develop Josh Allen, which might come at the expense of developing guys like Zay Jones, uh, See, developing younger receivers in the roster. I And look, I came down on the side of Josh Allen's your most important player. Without any sort of hesitation, they should be starting him. But I think the comparison is less about winning and more about who are you trying to develop the most. I don't know if if that really matters, to be perfectly honest with you. Because and, where do, but, and, and where does winning come into development? Also, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it should just to throw that out there. Is I don't want to slow. I don't want to slow down your momentum there, Joe. But just no, as, as something to consider is winning is a way to develop. It is. It certainly is, which is why in these low-pressure games, when you have the Jets once, the Dolphins twice, uh, the Lions at home, you have four out of six games that are pretty winnable. Um, But I don't know if it really matters about the development of the other players, because let's not forget, Zay Jones, over the last 
month of the season when Josh Allen hasn't been in there has developed pretty nicely. And I don't think you need you necessarily needed Josh Allen to do this. So I don't need I don't think that the development of those others, the Wyatt Tellers, the Deion Dawkins, the Zay Jones, the Isaiah McKenzies, if you want to throw them in there, I don't think they matter. It's all about Josh and getting him reps and figuring out what the plan of attack is in the offseason. Because if you don't have all the information that you can possibly have to go into the offseason knowing what programs you need to work him out on, what mechanical things that have kind of become bugaboos for him as he goes along, and really what types of players that you can get in the offseason, whether it be tight ends, wide receivers, running backs, what have you, will help benefit him the best to put him in the best position to succeed. Because at the end of the day, Zay Jones doesn't matter. Wyatt Teller doesn't matter. The only thing that's going to keep Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean gainfully employed is Josh Allen. And if he does not develop or if they do not give themselves enough of a chance to allow him to make mistakes in a non-pressured situation, it, it just the logic just kind of baffles me in a three and seven season why anyone would argue for Matt Barkley, who really wasn't even all that good. You know what I like, Joe, is that the <laughs> The way the quarterback depth chart looks right now, I think it actually looks like a legit football NFL team. Like it's that's a switch. I mean, think about it. It's Josh yeah. Allen's your starter now, which is what Sean McDermott has declared by saying that if healthy, he's the starter. So you're kind of beyond the it, it should he or shouldn't he phase. That's really it's not a question anymore. Sean McDermott's going to play him if he's healthy, and then you have Matt Barkley and Derek Anderson as your backups. You have the veteran. The guy who knows his place and is there to coach if needed, although he's still in concussion protocol. I don't even know if he's at the facility or what that means. Who, Derek or, Anderson? Yeah, what he's, he's going He through. does some like stretching during practices, but really the first time we saw him on the practice field since the concussion was last week, and yeah. they were like half-hearted So he's stretches. removed, yeah, and, uh, and he, it seems like he's close to coming back or else the Bills wouldn't have released Nathan Peterman. Uh, or maybe they're going with two quarterbacks plus the asterisk of uh, of – Derek Anderson and the concussion protocol, but um, there's still the question of who's the number two when they come back next sure, week. Sure, and I don't care I which think one Barclay is. I think is they're both more legit. naturally is probably the more natural choice because Anderson is the yeah. That's why I like it. Holder. They actually have you know a number. Right. They have three guys who are viable NFL quarterbacks, and Nathan Peterman obviously wasn't working out as that, but especially when you only have two quarterbacks on your roster. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nathan Peterman did win the job coming out of training camp in the preseason. He was no the doubt. best of the three quarterbacks. No doubt. So I don't fault the Bills for putting him in that situation. I do fault the Bills from putting it in a situation where those were the only two quarterbacks on your roster. I 100% agree with you. And I think the reason why all of this hubbub about Matt Barkley even started in the first place is because it's like, ooh, shiny points. They, we haven't seen those in a while. But it's it's kind of a, a shell game. It was fun. It, there it was, was something, fun. The Bills fans, they don't – and I was asked this yesterday. I did a spot on TSN, uh, which I do occasionally up there in Canada on Humble TSN brag. Radio. Yeah, I love it. I wish I could do more of it. I Yes, I am I am bragging. No, I'm not even being humble about it. Like, <laughs> look at me. I do two at TSN, bitches. No, I'm not even being humble about it. I did TSN last night, all right? What of it? So here's uh, what comes up is uh, – I've lost my train of thought. Uh, we were talking about – Sorry, Tim. <laughs> I'm sorry I got I got so so into the joke that I, I forgot uh, what I was going to say. Something about quarterback play. Barkley, what were we saying? I'm being honest. I forgot what <laughs> you, I was going to say. You said something about uh... – ah, oh, crap. 
It was fun. Is the last thing I remember before. Right, I it was fun. Right, right, right. It was fun. So Shiny the question points. was: Do Bills? Thank you, Jonah. See, Jonah's my conscience and my memory. Apparently, <laughs> um, if the Bills, if Bills fans want to win or develop, you know, is it more of a developmental rebuild type season, or should they try to win or want to win right now? And my response to that, and I think I have a pretty good read on on Bills fans, is that they just didn't want to be embarrassed. I think that last year the playoff got that proverbial monkey off the back, and you're not looking at now 19 straight years without the playoff. So Bills fans can take a deep breath, but to then go through a season of getting continually embarrassed is what they didn't want. So that's where at least Sunday was a big answer, much like the Minnesota game, where it's like, okay, we're not going to have to worry about being embarrassed every week. We can actually tune into the games and enjoy them for what they are. And uh, so that's where I think Bills fans are. But I think I'm, they'd rather kind of lo- kind of make this a rebuild season, um, but just be competitive as opposed if they had their druthers. It's also tough because the last three weeks before the Barkley game, they were essentially starting a third-string quarterback. Each time, Derek Anderson twice, the Nathan Peterman once, and it's their own doing because they they are their own worst enemy in that fact because they are the ones that put those players on the roster in those positions. But what more can you really expect out of the offense with a couple of third string guys slinging the Duke out there? I mean, it's not it's not as though you've got you're between. I don't know, Mitchell Trubisky's your your backup quarterback, someone who's at least tolerable. It's Derek Anderson. He's 35. Nathan Peterman has thrown interceptions on 9% of his passes. Anderson looked okay, too, which was the scary part. He did I and think he it, didn't. He, threw, he, he turned the ball over four times. Well, he did. He did, but what I'm... <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I, what I remember about Derek Anderson, though, especially on those first few drives down in Houston, were the fact that he was throwing to receivers out of their breaks. He was throwing the ball before the receiver was making his cut and had his head turned around, and that's just something we hadn't seen, and it was refreshing to see him actually you know, on an out route set up and throwing the ball before the receiver plants his foot and makes the cut. And then he turned around, the ball was there. Like, oh, my God, that's what quarterbacks are supposed to do. College quarterbacks do that, oh. in fact. Well, all right, more Bills talk <laughs> after this. Uh, we come back with Joe Biscaglia, sports director from WKBW Channel 7 with uh, the big crooked Mike Rodak. We're going to have to get into a, a – uh, uh, a recap as to why he's known as the Big Crooked, because I understand his dad's listening and uh, is uh, now wondering why we're calling you the Big Crooked. Crooked Road. So exactly how we're thinking about Jonah Bronstein. He'll be involved in that discussion. We'll, we'll talk oh, about that. I remember. More. I do too. Um, I can imagine. And Bobby Rosati doing a fantastic job uh, manipulating uh, the knobs, handling the phones. We're going to go back out to Vegas again. For the second time in the show, oh, are they golfing we got together? that coming up. No, Joel Staniszewski, he'll be on the line from oh, Vegas uh, to talk about the Bills from a betting standpoint. And we tapped into something last week with Joel. He started dr- dropping like information that you yes. think would be confidential or secret about specific people yeah. and how they bet, celebrities and all this stuff. Yeah, stories. He's, uh, we've got some stories we're going to tell. Uh, I made sure uh, to remind him. People when I who him. are... Uh, people, uh, Maury Povich was one of the names that he mentioned to me. What? He's got a good Maury, uh, he got a good Maury story. I guess wow. Maury likes to bet. I hope, uh, 740 or whatever the hell time it is, 40 gets here. I want to talk to him. I want to hear that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Tim Graham show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. This is the Tim Graham show on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. The Tim Graham Show. Ah! 
Tim's discounted prices shattered to the ground by premium prices. Now on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. And on The Fan's app. Free to download in the App Store. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270. The Fan, the Tim Graham Show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Kind of run through that pretty quickly, so let me stop in case you were just grabbing your pencil to jot it down on your on your scratch pad. That phone number for Viola Cummings and Lindsay is 285-9555. You got that? Read that back to me. Yeah, you got it. Joe Biscalia from WKBW Channel 7. He's been in studio the entire time. Somehow. With the big crooked Mike Rodak, Rodak. whose father is listening. Or was listening. I, I'm getting the impression that your father's just now figuring out what you do for a living. He's he's never <laughs> he's never heard the show before. Oh, you're on? And yeah. <laughs> um, so Jonah Bronstein is the one who actually first started calling him crooked Mike Rodak. So jo- Jonah, so Mike Rodak's dad doesn't know where the nickname came from. Do you want to read I'll that? I kind of forget myself. Somebody mentioned it on Twitter first. Yes. And as as part it, of the whole Donald Trump campaign, yeah, was right everything was crooked Hillary, everything was sad. And, and so, yeah. It's, was it Robin Mundy, our dear friend? That I don't, I don't it remember been. the first. Anyway. But it, yeah, it was a Twitter thing. Yeah. No, I think it was somebody that doesn't like you, and Robin's probably a little more on your side than... Lou Brown? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Know. I think it was. It could have been hundreds of thousands of people on Twitter that would want to take a I shot. Mean, there's at you. hundreds of thousands of people listening to the but show as we. Speak. I don't remember who it was, but I do remember somebody tweeted it. We were at seven one six after a Bills game, and somebody tweeted it, and we thought it was funny, and we said, you know, we should start calling him Crooked Rodak, and it oh, stuck. And yeah, we did, yeah, yeah. and then it evolved into the Big Crooked, just because I think that's a that'd be like an old baseball nickname, like yeah. Old Smoke, or you it reminds know, me of Shaq's big, nicknames. Yeah. The big Shactus when Whoa. he was playing for the Suns. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I just kind of converted it into something manlier because you've probably never had a nickname like that. The Big Hurt. And I wanted to do, yeah, the yeah, Big Hurt would be a good one. Better than the other one, Rodak the Slow Adult. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot Shaquille O'Neal played for the Suns. Who, Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. Had a great season for them. Who, uh, somebody was going to ask a question. I heard a name. Uh, somebody was saying who. Uh, that was Mike, and now he's typing away. an NBA player who had a. A nickname that started with Big. But big Baby? The Big Dipper? Big Baby. There you go. That's a good one. Glenn, Glenn Davis? Davis. Yeah. That is that what you had there, Boston boy? <laughs> I'm I'm looking right now. It's All right. tantalizing Ooh. radio. All right. yeah. Well, let's... Joe, yeah. would you be interested oh, in becoming a the big the Tim ticket. Graham Show co-host? <laughs> oh, yeah. Kevin Garnett. KG. If you'll have me. Uh, I don't make mouth noises. Yeah? Yeah? Believe me, we've noticed. <laughs> the Big Ticket. Right. What about it? That was the one I was thinking about. Who's the big ticket, Michael? KG. Tim had a good one. Big Dipper. That's Will Chamberlain. That is a great nickname because the big that really awesome fits. Nickname. I mean, some nicknames just don't fit. I mean, A-Rod, right? I mean, it fits because it's just the guy's name, but there's the descriptive names. You get him in boxing so oh, much. Who did I see today? I forget the first name, but Meet Cleaver Weaver. Wow. <laughs> yes. Remember that one, Tim? I think that's your era. Wow. Yes. You know what I don't like is Showtime for Mahomes. Booger McFarlane kind of forced that one. Yeah. It's weird. Call him the Black Mamba. Yeah, How about the Kobe like Bryant weeks, coming up with his weird. own nickname? Yeah, the Black Mamba. Those are rarely good. Although about, Shaq was. You good know what? Mike I'm into McCallum, it. the Body Snatcher. 
because of his, the way who was, he who was that? Mike McCallum boxer, oh. the body snatcher, big wow. country Bryant Reeves. Oh, you're trying to play to Tyler's emotions now. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying that's to his guy. Tomorrow night. I'm pretty sure he told me like to uh, celebrate his new house. He got a an eight by ten of Bryant Reeves. <laughs> just signed. Just to, just to put. A, I don't know. I'm it's not. Got to sure. be signed. Well, What's for the point? his thirtieth birthday, I believe Tim got him a whole framed uh, set of 1990s Hornets cards. All scrubs, like the best. <laughs> there was maybe Incredible. I let one good player get in there because I needed it to fill out the row. But yeah, I went. Uh, my son and I went through my old basketball cards and picked out all the old, like Kurt Rambis in the short shorts and. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Kelly Trapica. He was in there. He absolutely was. was your boy Rex Chapman on there? Rex Chapman was in there. We've got to get Rex on the show. I've, uh, I have Twitter DM conversations with Rex Chapman, but every time I ask him to come on the show, he then all of a sudden just doesn't write back. We should have a whole Rex show. Rex Ryan, Rex Chapman, Rex Grossman, Rex Carr. Yes. Ooh, Rex Carr would roll. be great. He might be a tough get. I think we could get him. The same guy who uh, impersonated OJ can be Rex Carr. <laughs> Yeah, we had OJ on in the first hour. How about that? Man. Joe Biscalia, what are your thoughts on Wyatt Teller? I think he did some good and some not so good in that game. He played like a typical rookie, and even though it was basically a a flatline average when you think about all of it, it was still better than what they had over the past three weeks, especially in Vlad Dukas. And I was somewhat... Is this breaking news? Did you guys know that the Patriots signed Ramon Humber? Oh yeah, we knew. Yes, we didn't say Did it. I miss that. We today? didn't say it on the air, but it happened about I don't know, like five ish or so. Oh okay. Belichick Everyone loves him. Probably gives them the edge next time these two teams play. Belichick loves <laughs> Ramon Humber. Yeah. No. That's the edge. <laughs> special teams loved him on special That's teams true. for all those years. You know who's a great guy? Ramon Humber. Really? Mm-hmm. Why? Just a great guy. No, he's he, not. He Mike Rodak is being cut because Ramon Hun- Humber is known as one of the biggest. Oh, really? Well, pricks. See, see the, I don't in know that. So he's just being a smart. I ass think I can no say reason. that on the radio, right? What? Yeah. I just did. Yeah, I just did. You're the arbiter here. You're the only guy who's bound by the FCC. FCC uh, trained. And, and right. in the, uh, I guess I technically am. Yeah, right. <laughs> Joe, Joe is too. So. The only word we can't say is Ben. <laughs> Douchebag. <laughs> Douche. He's a yeah. He's known as he's just an a hole. Oh, well. That's nice. What a nice guy. So Rodak, Thanks, Rodak. because Rodak come, needs to make it a point to be sarcastic. People listening don't know our inside jokes or what we know, Mike. So or when you no Ramon say Humber. something to an audience about what a great guy he is, they don't get the joke. There's more to it than that, but we'll move on. What 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 is what more is there to it? You're the one who brought it up. No, that's right. That I had to explain. No, he you fooled me. It. I'm thinking, oh, why didn't I? I didn't get a chance to talk to him before he left town. What yeah. do you think is more to the story, Joe? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna let Rodak to die on this hill. All right. I'm dead. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope the Bills re-sign Ramon Humber. Right. Well, they won't because he's on the Patriots. Well, you know, you know, yeah. Because when the Patriots sign a guy this late in the season, they always keep him for the rest of the way. <laughs> They don't. They don't churn the bottom part of their roster more than any other team in the entire league. I do believe they Ramon. once or twice had former Bills wide receiver Corey Coleman? Yes. Well, time to work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So why a teller? Yeah, I, uh, I interrupted the the stream of thought. There. No, it's good. Um, he was an improvement over Vlad Dukas, which is what they probably wanted. And because Vlad Dukas is going into the final year of his deal next year, where they could cut him and save 
all of eighty three thousand dollars, they mm-hmm. could save two million dollars wow. on that contract. Um, that that was a decision that ESPN that, can get two Mike Rodax for that. Certainly, um, I was a little surprised that they did not put him in for John Miller, just because I thought Ducasse is having a better season than Miller. Although Miller responded in this game with one of his best of the season. So there, there is enough there, and he's still kind of a young player. Maybe they think to re-sign Miller just as like a stopgap for a year or two because they could probably get him on the cheap. Yeah, they can see Miller right. uh, in their future. Vlad Dukas is not in their future. Yeah, Miller's on the last year of his deal as well. Uh, so, But Teller, I think for what he was able to do, he was very active. Um, never really rested on his laurels, which is sometimes a thing for offensive linemen. But that said, there are also times where he just got whipped out of place by a defensive lineman. Well, I think a lot of people look at what LaShawn McCoy did on Sunday against the Jets and say, well, you know, McDermott's been tinkering with that offensive line. Uh, It must be working. How much do you think that um, what McDermott is doing while rotating in some of these young guys to take a look-see uh, he did it the week before, uh, also with Searles and um, and Teller and and yeah. Teller. Yeah. Um, was there another? Is there is there another? No, word? Teller worked in for both uh, Miller and Ducasse. Okay. In some spots. Uh, so, how much is that impacting Lashawn McCoy getting some traction? Honestly, I think the the bigger part of it was that they actually completed a pass farther than ten yards, which backed the defense way the heck off. And also because the Jets' defensive line looked like they didn't really give a hoot in that game. And that's going to be the thing that I think Jets fans are probably going to stick with the most because they just got dominated at the line of scrimmage. And this is... The Bills' offensive line is one of the worst 10 offensive lines in the league. There's not really much, uh, I guess, fanfare or, um, I guess, volatility in that statement because it's it's kind of obvious. But when you're being generous. Maybe. They might be bottom five. But when you have those five guys and a rookie beat you the way that they did, not really great look. There's also times where LaShawn McCoy did it on his own. Like, for instance, Jamal Adams came like a bat out of hell on a, on a safety uh, blitz. And McCoy took one step forward, spun out of it, and had a huge gain over on the right side. I'm sure you guys remember that play. So it's not as though the offensive line did all of it for him. But it was equal parts offensive line playing a little bit better. And the Jets' defensive line just going, whew, that, that, they, they really didn't give it. And that, that was that the play that Sean McDermott used as an example after the game of, I think somebody asking, you know, look like Shady still has it out there. And he said, yeah, well, that was kind of my thought when I saw him spin away uh, out of the backfield mm-hmm. and, and make that move. Because it is one thing to take what the offensive line is is giving you. And, in fact, According to ESPN stats information, he averaged three and a half yards per rush before first contact, which is very good compared to what he had the last three games before that when it was .46 yards per rush before first contact. So there was some room to run before anybody was even touching him. Uh, But still, when he was caught up in the backfield on a play like that and he was able to get away, that's what you're still looking for from LaShawn McCoy because that's what's going to keep him going. He's not a guy who's going to be breaking tackles and grinding out extra yards when he's 31 or 32. He still needs to be able to make guys miss in the open field or in the backfield, and that was one sign that he can still do that. And speaking of breaking things, a little breaking news just came in. Uh, The Wire just came in. Nathan Peterman was not claimed by another team, so he is a free agent, able to sign with any team or a practice squad for that matter. 
you think the Bills bring him back on the practice squad? I know that there's no room right now. They'd have to cut somebody. But. I keep going back and forth. I'm not sure that they will now. According to Ryan Talbot, who does an incredibly good job with uh, NewYorkUpstate.com, Syracuse.com, um, he said there was unlikely to be interest, according to a source, in, in Nathan Peterman coming back to the practice squad. It's probably the best for all parties, just because the Bills get to remove themselves from it, and Peterman gets a fresh start wherever he goes. I, I, honestly, you know, from a humanistic perspective, I would like to see him just hook on with a practice squad somewhere, because even though he wasn't good, he, nice guy, he tried to do everything the right way, stayed after practice longer than almost everybody <laughs> every single day. I mean, it, he was a, he was a workaholic, and you could see why McDermott loved him, but... It just the, the talent wasn't there. So I wonder if, if someone calls up the Bills and be like, hey, what's the deal with Peterman? We're thinking about him on the practice squad. I'm sure McDermott would give him a, a full full sign-off on that just because you know they, they want to see the guy succeed, but they just know they can't have him back probably. Yeah, and I think it would make the Bills look better if he were able to latch on somewhere else because then it would validate the fact that they what they saw in him. To go from your opening day starter to not a team in the NFL wanting him is an indictment, yeah. you know, of your your football off your football operations people and uh, the decisions yeah. that you've made. Whether it was to make him your starter, to mm-hmm. give him as many chances as you did, uh, to not have a more viable backup on, on your roster, all that stuff. So it's the same reason why when uh, Peterman was starting, and remember the EJ Manuel Instagram story where yeah. I was like, "Oh, I got, I yes. got to be better than that guy." I never did that. Well, it's kind of the same reason why they're not going to bring. Peterman back because the stigma right. is there with EJ and the Bills. They can't bring him back. They can't, they can't try and eat their crow and bring him back as a backup just the same way with Peterman now that they made that decision. It blew up in their face. They have to move on from here on forward. Peterman's and, probably better off, I would think, trying to establish a career in Canada or the new developmental league, league, something like that. Hey, I hear Doug Whaley's looking. All right, you know, and the other thing, and we're going to a break. I'm going to throw a grenade in the room here because it's something that's difficult. to. But I have a problem with Nathan Peterman being the symbol of NFL's racism problem at quarterback, which is kind of what he's – because he is the bottom-rung quarterback in the league because of these comical performances. And people look at it and say, Colin Kaepernick can't get a job, but this guy can. Well, let's keep in mind that Nathan Peterman's making 500 grand a year. He's a fifth-round pick. All this other stuff. EJ Manuel, what he did on Instagram was foolish, which is why he, I guess, was wise enough to delete the uh, delete the post. But look, EJ Manuel was a quarterback who was put in position to be a franchise quarterback to the point that a, a franchise ignored the position for another full year while trying to get him up and running. EJ Manuel, Nathan Peterman didn't stop the Bills from signing. Uh, A.J. McCarron didn't stop them from trading up to draft Derek uh, uh, Josh Allen. Uh, he didn't stop them from doing anything. He's not ste- he wasn't stealing money like uh, you could argue that E.J. Manuel was. But anyways, E.J. Manuel couldn't make it as a backup with somebody else. He's also not signed in the NFL, so that speaks on where he is. I don't think Colin Kaepernick's signing for five hundred grand to be somebody's third-string quarterback. All right, when we come back, we're going to have Joel Staniszewski on the line from Vegas. We're going to talk about the Bills from a gambling standpoint, even though they're not playing this week. Joel has some uh, interesting stories. where He's uh, from being behind the sportsbook desk. Uh, he has uh, taken bets from some uh, pretty interesting people over the years. We're going to get into that. Uh, when we come back on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys, call 
Visit him on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. The Tim Graham Show is on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. The Tim Graham Show. Tim Graham on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. This castle is in unacceptable condition. Unacceptable. The Tim Graham Show. Waiting for the, I'm waiting for it to kick in a little bit here, Bobby. Before I, you know, oh, yeah, I got you. It's We're a on long the same lead page. up. There's a long wind up here <laughs> on this one. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. The Tim Graham Show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Without further ado, let's get back out to Las Vegas. From Buffalo to Las Vegas. It's Joel Stanchevsky. The Bills make me wanna. The best gambling advice from Vegas. It's Joel Stanchevsky. Welcome back, Joel. We don't have a game to talk about, but we have all kinds of stories. Uh, last week, we tapped into something interesting, uh, the fact that you're willing to tell tales. <laughs> because I always thought that, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But I guess, uh, and I guess, uh, let me tell people about Joel Staniszewski. Uh, regular listeners, of course, know his background. But Joel uh, is a native of uh, Sloan, New York. He went to St. Joe's, Buff State. And uh, he has uh, been out in Vegas as a handicapper, odds maker, and uh, gambling analyst uh, for the past 14 years. And uh, so being in that role at the sports book, uh, you've seen some interesting things. So I, I guess the, the floodgates will open now. Uh, but do you feel like, I guess before we get to that, do you feel like you're having a week off here? You don't have to worry about your bills? Well, the... Yes, uh, it's actually great to, to be able to, you know, I can actually watch the Red Zone channel. I'm a big fan of that. You don't have to worry about taking breaks or commercials or any of that. It's just action nonstop. Uh, so I'll be excited to watch that and just sit down and just hang out with that for a while. Uh, but I am actually intrigued by the uh, Pittsburgh at Jacksonville. Um, is that who we play next, Jacksonville? Jacksonville is at New Era Field next week, yes. So uh, I think right now, depending upon this game and what happens, we could see the Bills their first favorite of the season. Um, right now, I feel like it's in against the Jacksonville. Range. Yeah. Now we talked right. about this uh, for a story that I wrote for the Athletic, in which it looked like the Bills at the time, and there were caveats to it, but it looked like the Bills at that time uh, were legitimate possibilities to be the underdog for all 16 games and it would be the first time in nfl history that a playoff team one year was never favored the following season uh but jacksonville comes into the year as a super bowl contender uh, people were penciling jacksonville in as at least you know winning the the afc south and being a possible team uh, to to make it uh to the championship game and here they are perhaps going to be an underdog at new era field in the week yeah, it's really close. I would probably say Jacksonville. If the game was this week, Jacksonville would be favored, but not by much, maybe a point or two. 
Um, depending upon what happens this week against Pittsburgh, if they get smoked, I could conceivably see the Bills as a small favorite or in the pick'em range. Uh, it'd be interesting to see where that line comes out next week. The Bills, who are just, you know, have been known to be horrible this year, actually win easily against the Jets, who are also equally as bad, who we could be favored against uh, later on in the season at home. But, uh, yeah, we we could see the Bills as a small favorite uh, if Jacksonville falls on their face this week and if we see a good, uh, you know, a good practice week and Josh Allen is healthy and, and practices all week, it, it's possible that the Bills could be favored next week. Does Josh Allen have to be the starter for the Bills, or would Matt Barkley, because of what he did against the Jets, uh, if he were named the starter for that game, would the Bills still be looking at a favorite situation? I don't think so. I, I, think, I think that's like, like one of those one-week anomalies. I'm not saying that Matt Barkley isn't, isn't a good backup quarterback but I think he came in after not playing for a year or two whatever it was I I think that game that we saw from him was great don't get me wrong I I enjoyed it but I wouldn't see it happening again next week um if Josh Allen can't go so if he if he's the quarterback if Josh Allen has any setbacks or whatever I would I would see Jacksonville as a slightly bigger favorite uh in Buffalo and the Jets back home, uh, I think that the, you're looking at the Bills as a potential favorite there. Right. There's a lot a lot of things that are going to happen between now and then that will determine whether or not the Bills will be favored in that game or possibly even uh, Detroit. But it's funny, just a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about this, Jacksonville was not a game that we would have considered the Bills being favorites, and uh, here we are. And I think there are a lot of Bills fans who are upset that Doug Marone's having a rough go of it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I know that Doug Marone gets them deep into the playoffs last year, and without uh, some clock mismanagement, probably should be in the Super Bowl last year. Right. They were yeah. uh, doing pretty well against the Patriots before the Patriots did what the Patriots do, and uh, Doug Marone now trying to keep a locker room together. And Disappointing season, but with the way things have gone down there in Jacksonville, and I know you're you're not a, a Jaguars insider. We have you on here to talk about gambling stuff, but just because you know, we have Joe Biscali and Mike Rodak here, it's. I mean, I wonder if Doug Marone's job's in, in jeopardy. When you have mm. players being neat, who are pulling each other off of one another because they're fighting as the media is entering the locker room a few weeks ago, things are just look nasty down there. It's yeah, Tom Coughlin's sure. team. You fire Tom Coughlin before you fire Doug Marone. No. I don't think I don't no. think I don't think Tom Coughlin Mike. No 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 listen to me. Tom Coughlin wouldn't fire Doug Marone. If you want to talk about who's really in charge, it's Tom Coughlin. Yeah, so but it doesn't you, go trying... before Marone. They're not going to fire Tom Coughlin. They're... Marone would be the sacrificial lamb here. Uh, unless if it I, they would have to put a gun to Tom Coughlin's head for that to happen. I don't Which, know if that's right. We'll see. But Mike Rodak knows. He's he's he is the Jaguars insider. Don't confuse effort with results, Michael. That's right. All right. So where are we? Uh, let's. See. I'm just looking to see if Bovada put out any odds on first coach to get fired and where Doug Marone would be in that today. They send out their uh, they send out their list on on Wednesdays. So um, all right. So Joel Staniszewski on the line from Vegas. Um, let's get into some of these juicy stories. Um, I'll let you just take it from here. What what stands out? If I were to say, hey, Joel, uh, uh, what can you tell me about the way celebrities bet? Uh, because, hey, they spend a lot of time in Vegas. They have a lot of disposable income. Um, what uh, what comes to mind? 
Yeah, so the the first uh, my first sports book job was at the Paris, and my first interaction with a celebrity, which at least I deemed as a celebrity, was an actor whose name is Glenn Plummer. Yes, uh, he was the main star OG Bobby Johnson from a movie called South Central from back in the day. He was also in uh, the day, he was the homeless guy in the day after tomorrow who's got the dog. And he's been in a couple other movies like Speed and Striptease. And I was super stoked when he came and he bet. I remember he bet on the Patriots. This was like 2005. But I remember it because I was like my first interaction with a celebrity in, in Las Vegas. And I was super stoked on it. But I've had some strange ones. Um, I, I had like multiple interactions with Maury Povich, who was always wasted. <laughs> and every time he would come in... He would say, <laughs> Just, "I love Maury. I, I think Maury, I love. First off, it's one of my guilty pleasures is watching Maury. Oh, definitely. And definitely. Uh, all right, so Maury likes to go at it. He likes to get after it when he's in Vegas. Likes to gamble. Likes to drink. Um, tells me every time he comes in, this is a great casino. This is my first time here, and I was thinking, no, it's not. I've talked to you like five times, dude. <laughs> but he was just great. He was a funny guy. He was a really funny guy." Um, we had um, when the NBA uh, USA uh, basketball team was was playing. They always stayed at the win um, when I worked there, and I had I, I would see a lot of them. They didn't gamble, especially in the sports book, but um, I, I would always see them walking around. You know, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, and they weren't like the most approachable of people. Um, but as an employee, they always told you like, if you see a famous person or a celebrity, like don't don't make it a thing like don't acknowledge them don't like make it a big deal and be like oh my god can i get your autograph so you always had to be super low-key so um you know there was a one week where vanilla ice was there and will ferrell was there at the same time betting college football and that was that was pretty funny because will ferrell and vanilla ice they weren't together they were there just at the same time and they were both super nice and super cool and you know small betters just having some fun watching some uh, some games or whatever, but uh, a celebrity who you would think would be, uh, who was worth a ton of money was um, Ray Romano, but he was a, a race player and he would bet such small increments of bets. He'd bet like $2 race bets. And I would be thinking, you're Ray Romano and you're betting $2? Like, I, I just didn't understand yeah, why. what's the thrill? Person. That's like playing. Yeah, uh... you do it to you bet a little bit of money that you know you can afford to lose. But if you win, it's going to be like a cool little, like, oh, cool, I just won some money. Like, you Let's know, for play me, it's Uno like, for pennies. Exactly. And I was just like, this is so weird that he would be betting this. But I've, I've witnessed a couple of uh, strange interactions where uh, uh, back in the day, Joe Torrey would come in with um, uh, Don Zimmer and the dude who created Magic Jack, R.I.P. Uh, those, those three dudes would bet big time. And on what? Dude, uh, horse races. Huge okay, horse you're allowed to bet players. on horse races if you're in baseball. I remember, I mean, it was a huge scandal when Willie Mays and Mickey Mantle were banned from baseball. They were retired, but they were greeters at an Atlantic City casino. And just by being employees of a casino that had nothing to do with betting, they were, yeah. uh, I think it was Bowie Coon, uh, just uh, excommunicated them from baseball. And it it was bad PR for the for the league. But I'm So when you say Joe Torre is betting... Uh, I guess, you know, horse races and I think the dogs are okay. Yeah, yeah, they were big horse race. 
horse players, especially Joe Torre. There was a guest who came in and was like, "Oh, Joe Torre, can I get an uh, can I get a photo?" And like Joe Torre was like, "Yeah, totally." Put his armor on the guy and it took a photo, and then the dude was just f bombing him left and right. He wasn't a Yankees fan; he just wanted to bust his chops. And so like, security had to come and like take this dude out. It was just mfing him all over the place. It was hilarious. What about um, Pete Rose? Because I know he spends a ton of time there. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, what uh, What would you see out of Pete Rose? Horse player, big horse player, uh, and the Greyhounds. Very, I know he likes the bet yeah, on the dogs too. Dogs, which they just banned in Florida. Horse uh, dog racing, they just banned it in Florida. This good election. It's it's unsavory. <laughs> it, it's, it's a shady business. But uh, he was a huge horse player. wasn't Again, wasn't a very friendly person at all. Um, but a sad story was an extremely friendly person who would bet a lot of money was Darren Sharper. He was so friendly. He would come in and bet hockey. He was, I mean, tons of money he would bet. On hockey? And he was so friendly. He would let, like, people try on the Super Bowl ring, and he would be, he mentioned to me, like, him and I just happened to both be wearing the same watch one day. He's like, hey, we have the same watch on. I was like, D-Sharp, what's up? Totally rad dude. And then you hear about what he was doing in those Las Vegas casino hotel rooms after he was making those bets, and it was just heartbreaking because the dude was just genuinely a nice guy. Well, you thought he, I thought he was a nice guy. It turns out he really wasn't a nice guy at all. But, yeah, he was uh, super friendly when I heard all those uh, accusations, which then became a conviction for him. It was I was kind of bummed because he was such a nice guy. Yeah, in prison for, I don't know if it's you have to be careful with what you call it because there are different designations for at at best, sexual assault or rape. I guess I could Google it. But anyway, Darren Sharper did some things to women that he shouldn't have, and he's in jail. And it's going to probably it's going to cost him the Hall of Fame because he oh, was a sure. Hall of Fame caliber player. All yeah. right, Joe, we ran a little long, but, hey, uh, I appreciate the stories. We're going to make this a regular thing. Uh, it's Can't just wait. It's way yeah. more interesting than the Bills at this point. But uh, <laughs> right. thanks for joining us again, and uh, we'll talk uh, Bills-Jaguars next week, and maybe they'll be favorites. All right, sounds good. Can't wait. All right, that's Joel Staniszewski on the line for Vegas. I want to thank Joe Biscalia for coming in studio. We had uh, a surprise guest in the first hour that yeah. took up a lot of the time. Certainly and, did. Uh, so we didn't get to hear from Joe. We'll save it for the podcast. Listen to the Bills Beat podcast. We'll be there. We're going to do it tonight, yep. and it'll be posted later up uh, with Matt Fairburn and Michael Partham. And Mike Rodak, the big crooked. Uh, and thanks to Mike's dad for listening. Yeah. Uh,